Hello and welcome to The Lone Ranger from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. fiery horse with a speed of light, a cloud of dust, and a hearty Hyo Silver, the Lone Ranger. faithful Indian companion, Toto, the daring and resourceful masked rider of the plains led the fight for law and order in the early western United States. Nowhere in the pages of history can one find a greater champion of justice. Return with us now to those thrilling days of yesteryear. From out of the past come the thundering hoofbeats of the great horse, Silver. The Lone Ranger rides again. Come on, Silver. Let's go, big fellow. The fort was less than a mile outside of town, and Todd Cantrell decided to leave his horse at the livery stable. He ate supper at the hotel, and the talk that filled the dining room was all about the Apaches. With Little Dog as their leader, the young braves had left the reservation and were raiding isolated ranches and towns. It was rumored that the regiment would soon be on the march. Nothing to do but join up. Todd walked out to the fort, and as soon as he had sketched his war record, the adjutant accepted his enlistment. He was issued a uniform and assigned to Troop C, commanded by Captain Walsh. The first sergeant showed him the barracks where he would sleep, and it was there that Todd saw his first familiar face. A husky young trooper with flaming red hair dropped the boot he was polishing and ran to shake his hand. Hey, by thunder, it's Todd. Todd Cantrell. How are you, boy? Hello, Reed. What are you doing here? What does it look like? Back in the army. Yeah, but why? I thought you were heading straight for your old Kentucky home and that you were never going to leave the place again. 
My home had been burnt to the ground. Oh, during the war? No. It happened after the war was over. A band of outlaws. What about your family? It was only my sister. They killed her. Oh, I'm sorry, Todd. Most of the crooks were caught. It was only their leader who got away. I decided to find him. I've been looking for over a year. Yeah? I've never seen the man. But I know his name, and I have a pretty good idea what he looks like. Black hair, black eyes, scar on his cheek. Ever hear of anybody called Ace Hudlin? No, I haven't. Do you expect to find him in the 10th? I was told he'd enlisted in Kansas City. Well, there's over a thousand men here, Todd. I don't know them all. He may not be using his right name. He's big, weighs close to 200. Scar on his cheek. There are a lot of us who have scars. Me, for instance. Hawks, who sleeps in that next cot. Captain Walsh has a scar, too. I'll find Hudlin. Todd, when was it he enlisted? Three months ago. Uh-huh. Any ideas? No. Yes, you have. What are you thinking? Well, in a general way, Hawks answers the description. And it was about three months ago that he... Get... What are you going to do? Take a look through this duffel. Todd, they'll be sounding lights out soon. The men will be coming back. If they see you going through another man's gear, if Hawks should see you and he isn't the man you're looking for, well, you'd have an awful lot of explaining to do. It won't take me long to check through his bag. For what? For letters, jewelry. He might still have some that he stole. Jewelry? What kind? Different things. I remember a ring my father used to wear. A coiled serpent with emeralds for the eyes. A diamond brooch that belonged to my mother. Pearl. Todd, you may not find anything in there. No, you're right. There's nothing. But the ring. He wears the ring. You mean it? A snake. Green stones. Thanks. What are you going to do? Just wait for him. And when he comes in? I'm not sure. Use your head, boy. Kill him and they'll hang you. Go to the colonel. Have him sent back to Kentucky to stand trial for murder. I can't prove that he's Ace Hudlin Red. The ring. Can't prove it's mine. Well, you don't have to take the law in your own hands. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'll think about it. The other men returned to the barracks, but the man who called himself Hawks wasn't among them. The troopers retired for the night. The lamps were turned out, and then, as taps were sounding, the door of the barracks opened and the sergeant came in. He raised a lantern high above Hawks' empty cot. Where is he? Don't know, Sarge. Haven't seen him. Search me. I guess the doc was right. What do you mean? Well, he saw him heading out of town tonight wearing civilian clothes. Desertion. The men discussed the news for a few minutes, but Todd said nothing. He waited until the barracks was silent and all the troops seemed to be sleeping. Then he threw aside his blankets and began to dress in the clothes he had worn when he came to the fort. He was pulling on his boots when Red loomed beside him. Where do you think you're going? After him. The loco. He's deserted. They'll bring him back. Maybe. When they do, he'll be court-martialed. He may be shot. Maybe. If you desert, the same thing will happen to you. I've been after him for over a year. I can't let him get away now. How do you expect to get out of the stockade? I'll go over the wall. And then what? I have a horse in town. The sergeant said he was heading west. There's a lot of country to the west. Yeah, that's why I don't want to waste any time. I'll be seeing you, Red. Red. 
Shortly after midnight, Todd rode into the little town of Greenville that nestled in the foothills about 20 miles west of the fort. Hold, hold it. He dismounted in front of the only cafe, tied his mount to the hitch rack, and walked inside. He searched the line of men at the bar, and then started for one of them at the far end, a man who wore blue trousers with his buckskin shirt. It was the ring on his finger that had caught Todd's eye. You call yourself Hawks, don't you? What's that? It used to be Hudlin, didn't it? I don't know what you're talking about, mister. My name is Cantrell. That should be all the explanation you need. Where are you from? From Kentucky. Oh, that's all right then. I was afraid for a minute you were from the fort. I am. You're not in uniform? No. When I heard that you deserted, I came after you. I don't get it. I never saw you before in my life. I didn't enlist until this afternoon. I joined up because they told me you were in the tent. Because I was? What have I got to do with you? You killed my sister. Why, you're local. Back in Kentucky. I've never been in Kentucky. And where'd you get that ring? Oh, so that's it. Hudlin's the man you're after. You're Hudlin. I am not. My name is Hawks. I won this ring from Hudlin in a poker game. That was in Kansas City. Black hair, black eyes, a scar on your cheek. You call this a scar? <laughs> Hudlin's goes from his temple down to his jaw. And if you're looking for him, you're all wrong about his enlisting in the tenth. Kansas City was heading for Texas. Thought he might cross the border into Mexico. That isn't what they told me at Farrah Jim's. I don't know what kind of story he gave them. And if what you say is true, if he's wanted for murder, he'd have a good reason to put people off his track. Now, here, about this ring. It belonged to my father. Well, then you take it, mister. I don't want any stolen goods. Here. I'm in enough trouble as it is. Of course, since you've deserted yourself, you can't very well turn me in. But let's not have any fight. We might end up in jail. Then they'd be sure to pick us both up. You're a smooth talker, Hawks. <laughs> well, at least you got that right. I'm Hawks, not Hudlin. I'm going to make sure. Man, listen to me! Everyone in the cafe turned toward the door. The sheriff was standing there, and directly behind him were a masked man and an Indian. Look, a masked man. An outlaw and an Indian, too. This man isn't an outlaw. He's a friend of mine. You can forget about the mask. He rides a white horse called Silver. This Indian's name is Tonto. You need any more of an introduction? The Lone Ranger. Yes, the Lone Ranger. Now, go on, mister. Tell them what you told me. There's a raiding party. About 50 Apaches heading this way. If you want to save your town, get your rifles and plenty of ammunition and follow me. The Lone Ranger directed the defense of the town. He posted most of the men at the western end, closest to the hills, the most logical place for the attack. If the Indians chose to circle the town, there would be time to change their positions. Todd, who had borrowed a rifle and ammunition, took his place close to the masked man. As he did so, a single horseman on a buckskin bronc raced up the dry creek bed away from the town and into the hills. Who was that? I know. He calls himself Hawks. He's a deserter from the tent. A deserter? As a matter of fact, so am I. But the only reason I deserted was to follow him. What is he, a renegade? He's worse than that. Well, there's no one worse than a man who turns against his own people. Well, I'm sure now that his name is Ace Hudlin. Wanted for murder in Kentuck. Maybe him go warn Apache town ready to fight. Could be, Toto. There are only 50 Indian. They were depending on surprise. Nothing happens within the next few minutes. We'll know they've been warned. 
The minutes stretched out. Five, then ten. The Lone Ranger and the Sheriff held a conference. They could be just holding off, waiting until later. Hoping we'll all go to bed. Todd and I'll find out, Sheriff. How? Right into the hills. Plenty dangerous. There's a moon. Tonto can read the signs. It's easy to tell if them turn round right back to camp. Look. What? Indians at the top of that rise. But they're out of range. They're not coming any closer. There's Hudlin with them. That proves he's a renegade. Them right way now. Don't think you'll be attacked tonight, Sheriff. But you better keep some guards posted. Depend on it. Let's go, Tonto. Uh Where? After them. There's a good chance they'll lead us to little dogs in camp. Well, you're sure asking for trouble. Only trying to prevent it, Sheriff. Mr. May, I'll ride with you. Oh, what for? I have a personal stake in this. Hudlin is wanted for the murder of my sister. And if you do find the encampment, I can take the word back to the fort. We can use your help. The colonel doesn't know me. Oh, uh, what's your name? Todd Cantrell. All right, get mounted, Todd. We'll start right away. And so the Lone Ranger, Toto, and Todd rode into the tangled hills. The Indian ponies, unshod for the most part, left faint traces in the hard ground. But Toto found other signs. And by noon of the following day, the trail had led them to the opening of Glory Pass. There they drew rein. Them right through here, Kimosabe. It's not good to follow them through pass. Too many chances for ambush, you mean. That right. Glory Pass, not good. But Tonto no trail over ridge, down to Buffalo Basin on the other side. If Raiden party go all way through pass, cross basin, we pick up trail on the other side ridge. A good idea. Lead the way. Get him up. Come on. Get him. An hour later, they reached the top of the ridge that surrounded the basin. They dismounted and crawled to the crest. Todd was unable to control his surprise. Little dogs encampment. Hundreds and hundreds of them. I didn't realize there were so many. We'll take the whole regiment to handle them. The whole regiment? It would leave the fort unprotected. With renegades like these at large, the whole country is unprotected. The curtain falls on the first act of our Lone Ranger adventure. Before the next exciting scenes, please permit us to pause for just a few moments. to continue. As the Lone Ranger, Toto, and Todd Cantrell watched the Indian encampment from the top of the ridge, they made an accurate account of the renegades. When they had finished... Nearly a thousand. I'd better get started for the fort. Do you think you'll have any trouble? Getting there, no. After you get there, you said you were a deserter. I figure the colonel will call it absent without leave when I give him this information. 
There's only one thing. What's that? I haven't seen Hudlin down here. Well, neither have I. But I can forget my personal problems for a while. When it comes to war, one has to. Yeah, I'll be a good soldier, mister. Well, what about you and Tonto? Will you stay here? Yes. It'll be dark before you reach the fort. It'll be another six hours before the troops can reach here, even if they started right away. There's no telling what little dog will do in the next 12 hours. We'll keep an eye on him. The army couldn't have better scouts. Adios. Adios and good luck. What neither the Lone Ranger nor Todd could know was that Ace Hudlin had left the raiding party as they rode toward Buffalo Basin and had made a wide circle of Greenville through the hills. At six o'clock that evening, he rode into the fort. He was placed under arrest immediately and taken to headquarters, where he was confronted by both the colonel and his troop commander, Captain Walsh. Hawks, you knew the regiment had been alerted. You deserted in the face of the enemy. I was only doing my duty, sir. You were seen riding out of town wearing civilian clothes. Same clothes I'm wearing now, sir. Army boots and breeches. A leather shirt and a cowboy's hat. Oh, I borrowed them. Why? So the man I was following wouldn't know I was a soldier. What's this? The man you were following? What man? A breed I recognized. A breed I knew was a friend of Little Dog's. I followed him, sir, and he led me straight to the Apache's camp. The Apache's camp? Where? Beyond the foothills, sir, on the far side of Glory Pass, a place called Buffalo Basin. Got back here as fast as I could. I don't call it desertion, sir. I was only doing my duty. You were acting without orders. That makes you liable to court-martial. But in view of the information you brought, we can forget the letter of the law. Now then, how many men does Little Dog have? Only 200, sir. Only 200? Now tell me this. The colonel questioned Hudlin closely. And when he had finished... There's one more thing I'd like to report, sir. What's that? While I was watching the camp, a white man rode into it. A man I knew back in Kentucky. I haven't seen him around here before, but his name is Cantrell. And maybe he's another Cantrell. spy who... The ex-soldier who enlisted yesterday afternoon, Captain. Yes, sir, and who took French leave last night. Well, he couldn't have obtained much information during the time he was in the stockade. You may pass the word to the other troop commanders that the regiment will march at midnight. Yes, sir. As a result of the colonel's order, the fort was filled with activity when Todd Cantrell rode into the stockade. He, too, was arrested and taken to the colonel. But the colonel gave him no chance to tell a complete story. You made a mistake in coming back here, Cantrell. But I have no time to deal with your case now. Sir, I hate Take him to the guardhouse. Yes, sir. It was at 11 o'clock that night that the Lone Ranger and Tonto drew rein in the shadow of the stockade. Oh, oh, steady. Oh, oh. It sounds as if the regiment's getting ready to move. Ah. Soldiers see your mask. Them not let you through gate. Well, there are other ways of getting inside. I'm going over the wall. Standing in his saddle, the Lone Ranger jumped for the top of the stockade. He pulled himself up and then dropped to the ground on the other side. He crouched low in the shadows to get his bearings. His destination was the colonel's quarters, but the building closest to him was the guardhouse. A lantern shone through one of the barred windows, and he saw Todd Cantrell. The Lone Ranger pulled his hat low over his eyes and sprinted across the open space between the stockade and the guardhouse. Amazed, man. What are you doing in there? I'm under arrest. The colonel didn't believe your report. Hudlin got back here before I did. 
He told the colonel he saw me in Little Dog's camp. I see. But he told the truth about where the camp is. I can't understand it. He told the truth about where the camp was. In Buffalo Basin. It's no longer there, Todd. What? Just about dusk, all of the Apaches began moving out of the basin and into the pass. The regiment tries to go through there, they'll be massacred. But that's what they intend to do. A forced march through the pass to catch the Apaches in the basin at dawn. You're sure? A friend of mine, Red Colby, told me. He got it from Captain Walsh. It'll be suicide. And the colonel must be warned. Who's going to do that? He won't listen to me. I'll have to make him listen. Where are his living quarters? At the far end of the parade ground, next to the orderly room. All right, I'll see you later. The Lone Ranger circled the stockade, keeping close to the adobe walls until he reached the rear of the colonel's quarters. They were dark. He tried a window. It was unlocked. He opened it and climbed inside. No sooner had his feet touched the floor than he heard the colonel's voice just outside the door that opened on the parade ground. You'll sound assembly in exactly 15 minutes, Fielder. Yes, sir. Quickly, the Lone Ranger circled the room. The colonel opened the door and left it ajar as he started for the table to light the lamp. The Lone Ranger stepped between the colonel and the door and closed it. What the... Who's there? Keep your voice down, Colonel. You're covered. Who are you? I'll explain that later. What's the meaning of this? You've just walked into a trap. The same sort of a trap that's waiting for you at Glory Pass. I'm calling the guard. All right, go ahead. Go ahead with your plans. Your regiment will be wiped out. I have positive information that Little Dog is camped in Buffalo Basin. The only way to reach there is through the pass. Your information isn't up to date. Will you listen to me? I... There's something about your voice. Yes, I'll listen. Five minutes later, all the troop commanders were summoned to the colonel's quarters. There's been a change in marching orders, men. Only Troop C under Captain Walsh will ride straight for Glory Pass. All other troops will remain under my command, and our route will be across the ridge. Yours will be the most difficult assignment, Captain Walsh. But you'll have the assistance of a scout who'll meet you on the trail. A civilian scout, sir? The best there is in the West. You may have heard of him. The Lone Ranger. Oh, yes, of course. I followed his suggestions in changing our plan of attack. I should give you every confidence in its ultimate success. It certainly does, sir. There's only one thing more. Captain Walsh? Yes, sir. Return Private Cantrell to duty. Arrest Private Hawks. Put him in irons and lock him in the guardhouse. Yes, sir. Troop C, with Captain Walsh and the Lone Ranger riding at the head of the column, reached Glory Pass just before dawn. There they waited for the first light and rested their horses. The captain questioned the masked man. You're sure the colonel and the others will have enough time to reach their positions? Yes, Tonto knows every inch of the ground. Well, we've taken our time. They should be on the other side of the ridge by now. Don't see any sign of the Apaches yet. We won't until they're inside the pass. Ticklish business. Granted. But the colonel picked your troop because he felt they were up to it. They all know what to expect and what to do. Every one of them. Well, it's light enough now. Ready? Yes. Troop! Prepare to mount! Mount! Troop rode into Glory Pass, each man on the alert, studying the wooded slopes on either side. 
there was no sign of life. But they knew the ominous stillness was only a prelude to battle. A battle of and for their lives. As the minutes passed, their eyes turned more and more often to the man who rode the great white horse at the head of the column. But there was no question in them. With such a leader, they were ready to face any danger. The opening of the pass was half a mile behind them when the first war whoop pierced the morning air. Instantly, the slopes were alive and hundreds of Indians were pouring down through the trees toward the trail. The troop acted as a man without any command. In a second, they had wheeled their mounts and were racing back to the entrance, shooting as they rode. Their speed was desperate, for it was only speed that could keep them out of range of the pursuing Apache's guns. But they rode no farther than the opening of the pass. There, they leaped from their saddles and took to any cover they could find. Trees, rocks, boulders... One part of their task was completed. They had brought the Indians into the open. Now they must hold their attack, hold them inside the pass. The cavalry carbines chattered like gatling guns. Still, the odds were so great against them that it would be impossible to hold the position for long. Todd Cantrell, wounded, slumped to the ground, his head and shoulders exposed to enemy fire. The Lone Ranger left his own cover, and braving the hail of lead, pulled him back to safety. Todd. Yes, cut your scalp. Lie still. Shouldn't they... Isn't it time for the others? It's time, all right. Can anything have gone wrong? We've done our part. They'll do theirs. But if they don't... You don't have to worry anymore. Here they come. The colonel and the rest of the regiment had crossed the ridge and entered the pass from Buffalo Basin. Now they were sweeping through the pass toward the Lone Ranger and the gallant band at the eastern entrance. The Apaches were caught between two fires. At this point, the walls of the pass were too steep for their horses. Once more, they charged at the Lone Ranger and his men. Once more, they were driven back. The troopers under the colonel's command closed in from the rear, and Little Dog, caught in his own trap, cried for mercy. His renegade followers threw down their arms. The Battle of Glory Pass was part of history. The regiment bivouacked in Buffalo Basin and cared for its wounded. The colonel stopped beside Todd Cantrell. Cantrell, I've been talking with one of the men of your troop. Your friend called me. Yes, sir. He told me all about you and Ace Hudlin. You may rest assured that Hudlin will be sent back to Kentucky for trial. Yes, sir. Now, as for you, I understand that you enlisted only because you were looking for Hudlin. That was true, sir. But I've changed my mind about a lot of things during the past two days. You have? Yes, sir. And I promised the masked man I'd be a good soldier. Good. You'll get a chance to keep your promise. Thank you, sir. When you think of him, of what he's done for his country, well... I understand. Yes. A man doesn't like to break a promise he's made to the Lone Ranger.
This is a feature of the Lone Ranger Incorporated, created by George W. Trendle, produced by Trendle Campbell Enterprises, directed by Charles D. Livingston, and edited by Fran Stryker. The part of the Lone Ranger is played by Brace Beamer. <laughs> <laughs> 